You're listening to Behind the Wheel on RacingJunk.com. You've read the stories of the drivers and others involved in the sport that we all love. Now hear their stories firsthand via our all-new podcast to find out how their passion for motorsports has made life worth living. How dare you say that I'm getting technical soot, silt, dirt, off-road. I mean, it was... Well, it's, it's I'll all try to same. be as technical and as right as possible for our listeners on here, because if you guys still want to, be feel free to tell us that we're wrong. It's fine. We don't mind. We're not perfect. I mean, come on. Can't you tell the way we talk? We're definitely not perfect. Come on, people. Yeah, he just, you know about me here. Come on. i tell you what. Ellen was breaking my balls here talking about the uh, <laughs> soot and silt. We were talking about, she said silt. I thought she meant soot. <laughs> and I was like, you say soot? That's ash. <laughs> but, you know, I'm, I'm deaf in both ears, so it's, you know, it's okay. I don't know. <laughs> Welcome back. You've just been, my- spending too, you've been spending too much time near the, uh, you know, chimney waiting on Santa. It's a little too early. He ain't there yet. Hang on. Let me sip my eggnog here. <laughs> oh, that spiked with some good stuff. Hey. <laughs> Oh, welcome back to Behind the Wheel on RacingJunk.com, and happy holidays. Ellen, happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Uh, Happy New Year. Happy holidays. That's right. It's time. It's time to party. And can you believe that this year is already almost over? I know. I can't believe it. I'm like, what are we, a week and a half, two weeks away from, you know, the end of the year? I'm like, where does it all go? I mean, it's it's flown by. We have had so many great interviews this year. I mean, I got to thinking about it just now because that's how my brain works. We really should have done a, a 2018 recap best of. Maybe we'll work on that for something. Um, but, I mean, we got such an amazing 2019 lined up. Uh, Ellen has done such a great job at getting these interviews, setting these people up. Uh, you got to stay tuned to Racing Junk to find out what's going to be happening in the near future. And, you know, last episode was pretty good. Um, but this episode, we're going to knock it out the park with this one. That's right. Well, I don't know. It was, it's hard to beat last, uh, the last episode because, you know, our NHRA champions are always fun to talk to, but yeah, I, I do love going back to the off-road type stuff. It is where I kind of live and passionate about. So the I'm roots. excited to talk to this latest guest. That's hey, right, we're the going, roots, the, the roots, roots, the roots. The I think soots. he's trying to say the redneck version of <laughs> roots. <laughs> the roots. I mean, it is, it is absolutely. Although, granted, you know, I got to take a pot shot at the PR person uh, from last from last episode because they didn't want us airing one of the interviews. Now we're gonna go, we're not gonna call it out. We're not gonna say which one. Um, oh yeah, let's not go there. Because they thought that we're not as professional as sounding as we should be. Obviously, this is a PR handler who just got their job out of college because they know nothing about fun entertainment and interviews. And when it gets down to talking to people, that's what we want to do. We want to have fun. We want to talk to that's real right. people um, who are champions, but we want to have fun with them. Exactly. If you're listening and you're hoping to be a driver who's interviewed by ESPN, do me a favor and contact ESPN because we are not it. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm just saying. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. We're not fluff. I'm not going to powder coat. Ellen's not going to powder coat for you, but uh, you know, I will ask you some stupid stuff. And I'm interested to see what's going to happen with t- tonight's interview. Uh, avid motocross business icon Larry Janeski, uh, who's proven that age is not a number. You know, we've done that a lot this year. 
Mm-hmm. We've had some ageless wonders, and I wonder if Larry's going to be okay with me calling him that on the show. And hey, I, I like it. It's great. It makes me feel better because I feel like I'm getting way too old to do, do anything cool. <laughs> Please give me a Do you even have gray hair yet? Oh, yes, honey. I got my first gray hair when I was in my 20s. <laughs> I'm not talking about your husband. I'm talking about gray hair. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to take a brief break. Uh, and then we're going to come back and we're going to talk to Larry Janeski. So uh, stay tuned to Behind the Wheel on RacingJunk.com. Attention racers, race fans, and gearheads. If you're looking to buy, sell, or trade the stuff that stokes your engine, then check out RacingJunk.com. RacingJunk.com is the world's number one online racing and performance classifieds where you'll find what you need to rock your ride. Check us out at RacingJunk.com. Racing and performance classifieds built to go fast. Welcome back to Behind the Wheel on RacingJunk.com. We got the eggnog passed around, all of it spiked, and we are very honored to have joining us on the phone right now. uh, I'm going to say ageless wonder, even though he's barely older than me. Larry Janeski, (laughs) who's proven that age, no matter how young you start or how old you are currently, should never stop you from achieving that dream and making it come true. Larry, welcome to Behind the Wheel. Hey, great to be here. So I've been reading up on you a little bit, and uh, multi-tier, multi-talented is kind of an understatement. But but tell me, how did you go from carpentry to Baja Ironman? How did that get started? <laughs> well, my business and you know my motorcycle uh, uh, passions are you know two really different things. Um, so when I was um, I started riding motocross when I was 32 years old and, uh, my brother got me, uh, my younger brother got me going and, you know, he had been racing motocross for, I don't know, five or six years before me. And, uh, I remember one time he was in the hospital, uh, he had gone over the bars at the racetrack and he's in the hospital with a collapsed lung and he had a tube coming out of his chest. And I said, man, why don't you quit that? (laughs) And he's like, no way. And I'm like, you, what is wrong with you? You know, like, I can't believe, you know, how bad does that have to get? You have to die first or something. Well, anyway, uh, a few months later, I, I tried his bike, went over the sand pit. I got on his bike and I'd never been on a, 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 a full size motocross bike before. And, uh, in about 30 seconds, I was crashed in trees and, uh, <laughs> I said, man, this is great. I got to master this. This, this is what I want yeah. to do. Let's wreck body parts. Yeah. So I got the bug and I started riding twice a week, uh, you know, for, you know, 20 years, really, as long as the weather holds out here in Connecticut, I, I was riding twice a week and, you know, I got better and better and better and, you know, started jumping freestyle ramps and, uh, being competitive, uh, you know, uh, and so that's how it started. Now, how long ago was that? You said it was, it was when you were 32. So what year was that? 32. So I'm 54 now. So uh, Yeah, I'm not doing math after business hours. 20-some yeah. years ago. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah, uh, right, 90, 94, uh, 96, 96, yeah. So picking that yeah, up. About the at, time yeah. I graduated high school, Chris. <laughs> yeah, way to go, Ellen. Yeah, sure it was. Yeah. I'm just saying it's true. <laughs> <laughs> maybe yeah, maybe feel old. I was already in service by that time. 
Um, so at the age of 32, I mean, you were already a successful businessman. So what was the drive? What was the motivation besides the bug? There had to be something that said, you know what? What was it? The challenge? Was it the fact that you knew you could do it? What made you say, I'm going to conquer this? I don't know. I think, I think, uh, um, you know, it's an individual sport. Um, you don't have to be the biggest guy. You don't have to be the strongest guy. You don't have to be the fastest guy. And really it's a, it's a skill, Uh, you know, you got to be physically fit and, but you got to develop your skill, you know? And I thought, okay, you know, believe it or not, you know, if you're going to have an extended career uh, on a dirt bike, you know, it's a thinking man's game. You know, you gotta, uh, you know, you gotta play things right. The the riders that ride at a hundred percent or 99%, they're, they're crashing. Their careers are going to be short. Right. So I was, you know, I, I wouldn't crash too much. Of course, you know, sometimes it's spectacular when you're, when you're crashing over a, a 60 foot double or something, but, um, you know, so I, I don't know. Uh, it was just something that I felt that, you know, I could do, it felt great, you know, and, uh, once you learn how to ride, it's almost like, uh, it's almost like a dance, you know, it's you get in the rhythm, you get in the flow on a track and you're, you're hitting all your jumps just right. And, and, you know, it's, you can't think about anything else. You don't think about work. You don't think about anything right. except, you know, the, the, the track right in front of you. And, uh, you know, it's just a way to, uh, just have fun, get, get, stay in shape and, uh, and cheat the devil a little bit. It's always a thrill, you know, you're always pushing, you know, uh, at the edge and getting that little, that little rush, you know? And so it's, uh, just something I, I kind of fell in love with. You know, you mentioned something that that really stood out to me. You said it's a thinking man's game. And uh, Ellen and I have touched on this in the past. It's so much more of a mental than a physical. And I know, Ellen, you're you're way more connected than than I am. But some of these racers, especially, you know, we're not going to say dirt, we're going to say (laughs) off-road. There's there's some of the sharpest cats on the planet. Yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, there's a lot of thinking to it, but there's also physical. I mean... I, Larry, I got a chance to watch your YouTube uh, movie today, and you guys don't exactly look like you're out of shape. So, no, 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 uh, for sure. Um, especially for this this past few years, what I've had to go through to uh, to make it happen. But uh, yeah, but you know, it's you you gotta you can't go out there and say I'm gonna give it hell and I'm gonna mm-hmm. you know just twist this throttle wide open and I'm gonna you know you, you gotta be smart. Uh, you're not gonna you're not gonna last long you might not even survive <laughs> does that come from the business side of the house that aspect too because uh, you know I'm, I'm sure a lot of people you know have probably seen your videos online on how to make a home more energy efficient mm-hmm. with the dr energy saver video series but you know having that carpentry background having that entrepreneurial spirit that successful business mindset did that play a big role into making off-road successful well, I don't know how it couldn't, you know, I mean, you, you apply how you, how you do one thing is how you do everything, you know? Exactly. Um, so, you know, you gotta have a strategy and you gotta be prepared and you gotta, uh, have a plan and have good team members and, and have the right resources and the right experience and, and put a strategy together and execute. And, uh, you know, so yeah, I mean, all of that is in there. Sure. Have you seen some of the same opposition that you first faced when you started your business, you know, calling, you know, 
codes wrong and saying, you know, homes are unhealthy and being criticized for that. Then all of a sudden, years later, now to be heralded as this, you know, genius in the industry. Have you seen that same thing translate or, or that same thing kind of pop up in the motocross when you started it at 32? Did people well, say, Larry, you're nuts? <laughs> yeah. I mean, some people say I'm nuts and, and some people just ignore it, and, you know, and whatever. And, you know, you don't do it for other people in, in this case. You, you do it for yourself. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think I, I've been underestimated, you know, mm-hmm. it, it whenever you go into a field whether it be a career or a sport and you're, you know, you're new, you know, you don't get a lot of attention and people don't take you seriously. And, you know, they don't expect too much because maybe a lot of people before you haven't done too much. And, uh, right. you know, and so you're underestimated. I, I almost like being underestimated, you know, because while everyone else is, you know, is watching TV, maybe I'm working. You know, while, while everyone else has given up after a year or so, they lost interest, they moved on to something else. I'm still there. I don't quit. Mm-hmm. And so uh, eventually, I will win. Eventually. Right. right. Uh, you know, yeah. It's just a matter of how long. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, it, it, it's, sometimes it's frustrating. You know, there's, you know, you have these. Like dark nights of the soul, you know, where <laughs> things aren't going well and you've got so much effort and time into, you know, a given endeavor and it's just not working. And, uh, you know, and you wonder, do I keep going? Do I persist? Do I just work harder? Do I work longer or am I, am I being stupid? Do I just need to, you know, you know, abort and, and spend my time doing something more productive or, or, you know, completely different way or something. So, you know, the, you, you go through that when you don't succeed at first, you know, and you start mm-hmm. questioning, you know, and, and it's smart. I mean, you shouldn't, you know, if something's not working, you don't just keep doing it and doing it and doing it forever. I mean, it's right. you know, definition you of insanity makes yeah. some change. Yeah, exactly. So we're talking with Larry Janeski and, and Larry, other than the Baja 1000, have you raced anywhere else? What are some of the other ones that stick out? Well, I, I, I've raced just here at the local motocross track and, mm-hmm. uh, I have my own track. I built my own track, you know. Wow. Because <laughs> why not? Yeah. On. Yeah, of course. Yeah, why well, not? Well, that's one of the advantages of, uh, you know, being successful in business is you got some, some money to, uh, to do some things. And so 20 years ago, we bought, uh, some land here in Connecticut and where I live in Connecticut. Well, you know, Southern Connecticut and parts of Connecticut are, are pretty populated. It's hard to find some land, but then there's right. upstate and rural Connecticut, you know, a lot of forest and rolling hills and, and stuff and trees, you know, everywhere. So you can get a piece of land there. So we, we bought us, I have 80 acres and built a motocross track and mostly I ride there. Uh, uh-huh. but uh, we did do, uh, three or four years. We raced the Friday night series at the local motocross track and, a and I raced with my son for a few of those years. Uh, right. He came up and, uh, you know, I mean, I, I wasn't, I, I, you know, I mean, I, I wasn't, uh, never won an expert class race or not even close, you know, but, um, but, you know, in my age group, I did well, I did really well. Uh, I'd say so. But, yeah. uh, <laughs> you know, as far as the short races, explosive, you know, speed, you know, in motocross, you got to hang it out there, you know? And it was like, uh, here's a risk that maybe I'm not willing to take, you know, uh, to, 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 uh, to, to do what you got to do to win, 
in the expert class, you know, but then I discovered Baja and that was a completely different thing because, uh, you know, it's a different game out there. Now you had mentioned, gonna, yeah, I was going to say, you mentioned you did some races with your son and mm-hmm. Ellen was telling me about the YouTube movie. I have not seen it, but the it's 2015 amazing. race, tell us about that. So we went on a, a recreational tour to, uh, I have a friend in, in Southern California and he said, Hey, the guy next to me, uh, Chris Haynes has this, uh, mm-hmm. A motorcycle tour company and why don't we get a group of us together and we'll go down to Baja and we'll have a, a fun time. Okay, great. So we, me and my son went down there with six or seven friends and uh, we got a, a, a guide from Chris Haynes operation and, uh, and we're having a good time down in Baja. It's beautiful down there. Just beautiful. It's uh, two hours south of uh, San Diego is where you typically start in Ensenada. And uh, you've got the Pacific Ocean side, you've got uh, the Sea of Cortez side, you've got uh, sand, dry lake beds, you've got cactus, you've got mountains and beautiful rock formations and uh, sand dunes, and it's just everything there. Um, so the guide says, hey, we're on the course of the Baja 1000 that they used for last year. And we're like, what's the Baja 1000? You know, we're from Connecticut. We're not a thousand miles near a desert, you know. So, oh, well, it's the longest nonstop cross-country race in the world. Really? <laughs> okay. And so we, you know, asked some more questions. Well, my son, who was, uh, let's see, he was uh, 1920 at the time. He says, well, I think we should do it. I said, what? Well, you think we should do it, huh? He says, yeah. So, uh, okay. You know, it, I said, okay, I didn't have any idea what we're getting into really. And so we, him and I were a two man team. We said, we're going to do it, him and I, and we entered the sportsman class and that the race was in November. So we didn't know what Baja was uh, in January. And here we are in November, we're in the Baja 1000. And, uh, Chris Haynes gave us race support and set up our bike and everything and, uh, gave us some guidance, of course. And we, we pre-ran the course. And, uh, so we were against teams of, uh, four five and six riders and we were just two of us. So that's a big disadvantage because the same bike has to start and finish the race, but you can have as many riders in a sportsman class or really in the pro class, uh, most any class except Ironman, you can have as many riders as you want and you can switch as many times as you want. So typically uh, if you have five guys on the team, one guy will go out and bust out, you know, 150 miles or so. And he, he's done. He gives the bike to the next guy and he rides at 100, 180 miles and he gives the next guy and it goes like that. So you're always dealing with a fresh rider. Well, for Tanner and I, well, we had a plan where I started, went 80 miles, gave the bike to him. He would go, you know, 70 or 90 or something. He did like to me, I go 50 and he, I give it to him. He go, you know, 40 and, you know, back and forth, we took six turns each. So that's how we ran the race. And, uh, it was, it was pretty dramatic. I mean, we started, I think we started seventh out of 10, mm-hmm. uh, at mile 80. When I gave the bike to him, we were in, uh, third, uh, when he gave the bike to me, the next time we were, um, Let's see. I think we are in second. Yeah, you are. We we worked. Yeah, we worked our way up to. Um, we were leading, and mm-hmm. uh, we were really excited. We couldn't believe this. And uh, 
So we went into night and he had a 120 mile leg and I'm waiting for him. It's dark. It's pitch black out there. We're waiting at the stop and people are gathered around and there's fires There's people campfires and they're, they're watching the race and we're waiting. We're waiting. He's overdue. He's not here. What's happening. He's overdue. You know, we were in first place. What happened? I mean, he's a great rider. I mean, uh, what could have happened? And so it turns out he hit a rock and uh, bounced into another bigger rock and knocked the front brake caliper off the bike. So oh, now wow. it's hanging by the mm-hmm. brake line. Well, the brake caliper is swinging around and getting caught up in the spokes. So he's got to stop. And, you know, he doesn't know what to do. So we didn't, we weren't completely prepared. We should have had wire ties with us. But so he devises a plan finally and he rips the sleeves off his jersey to use them mm-hmm. as rope. Oh my God, that was my favorite part sleeve. of that movie. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, jerseys are made not to rip. You know, He was so already freezing, by the way, Chris. It was not warm when he did this. It was freezing outside no. when he did this. I was, I was going to say, yeah. this isn't something where you could just stop at a Stuckey's and get a zip tie. I mean, you're kind of... Yeah. I mean, oh, they couldn't even find a gas around. station out there. What are you kidding me? <laughs> Yeah, El gasolino, uh, no gasolino. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you know, on the leg he's on, it's 120 miles. So what happens is the course winds in and out of the desert and wherever it crosses the paved road. And there's really only two paved roads in Baja on the Pacific side and the, the Sea of Cortez side. That's it. There's no other paved road. So wherever the course crosses the paved road, that's where you can meet your crew, right, to you know, take a break, get some knee, check the bike, change riders, whatever. So we're waiting there. And uh, finally he limps this thing in with no front brake. And the, you know, he's got the thing tied up with his shirt sleeves. He's got no sleeves. I'm like, what the hell? You see him coming out of darkness this way. <laughs> what happened? And uh, so we had a, 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 a chase bike actually in, in the truck. So we took the front brake caliper off and uh, got it fixed up. Took a half an hour. But by that time, with all the time he lost and we had to fix the bike. We were an hour and a half, uh, behind first place. We were in third. Mm-hmm. And so, okay, so now we're going into the night. And so I think it was, uh, let's see, must've been about 16 hours into the race at this point. We're about halfway through. And, uh, so we, you know, I take off into the night and just, do my best to catch up, you know? And so the next, uh, stop, I give it to him. We're caught up a little bit more. We're caught up a little bit more. We're caught up a little bit more at each turn. And then, uh, then I, I remember passing the, the guy that was in second place and, uh, or uh, sorry, third, and we were in second now. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, my last turn on the bike, uh, I said, I'm going to leave it all out here. And so I just, rode as fast as I could. And about 10 minutes before I come into the truck, I hit this concrete obstacle in the middle of the woods. There's some, uh, middle of the desert, sorry. There's, uh, like a, a raised concrete road. And, uh, <clears throat> I hit this thing at, at speed in the dark and, uh, I survived. I thought, man, I'm going in, you know, but, uh, I made it through. I saved it. So 10 minutes later, I come out to the road and, uh, I, uh, I, I see Tanner, I'm going to do, do a rider change. And there's uh, first place right across the street and he's pitting. Oh yeah. And so we said, let's get Tanner on, let's get him out of here. 
you know, we won't check the oil. We won't check the filter. We'll just get him out of here so that we can be in first place. He's, he's not riding the other guy's dust. And in Baja, the dust is, is horrible. I mean, it's really hard to pass because, you know, the guy in front of you is making dust. And the closer you get, the less you can see. So we got him out of there. And uh, it's still pitch black. It's probably five in the morning. And all of a sudden, he's riding along, and that, that big two HID headlights, uh, the Baja headlights, start wobbling up and down, up and down on the bumps. And finally, they just break off the bike, and they're hanging by the wire, falling down on the front fender, pointing at the ground. He can't see anything. Wow. He stops. <laughs> and uh, it turns out, when I hit that, we figured this out, like, two months later, what happened. When I hit that concrete in, uh, barrier thing, out there, I must have cracked something in the front, mm-hmm. right? In the headlight bracket. And finally it, it broke loose. So, so he pulls over. Oh yeah. When your son it, was driving it, it broke loose. Yeah. Is this when the headlight fell off? His, mm-hmm. Yeah. He takes uh-huh. his helmet off, his neck brace off, his jacket off, his pack off, his gloves off. Uh-huh. And he takes his sweatshirt off. Mm-hmm. And ties the headlight up again with his clothes, right? It's still cold outside, the, by the way, Chris. It's nighttime now, so oh, it's a whole lot cold. colder at this point. <laughs> and that wind yeah. is not fun at night either. No, and he's on a bike, yeah, so remember you, this. There is no enclosure. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, so that we lost the lead. You see on the video, on his helmet cam, because yeah. mm-hmm. uh, his helmet was off and it was sideways, and here goes the, the second-place guy just passed him. Mm-hmm. You know, he takes the lead. So... My son catches up and, you know, it's a lot of uh, detail in the story here, but he's trying to catch up and he, he comes into the checkpoint and it's just getting light out now. And he's right behind the, the other guy and he comes in a checkpoint. Well, he sees our, our chase truck and he's got to pull in to get the headlight changed. Mm-hmm. And so he pulls in. Now he loses more time and he goes to catch up, catch up, catch up. Finally, he makes the pass for the lead. It's okay. Great. We're in the lead. Well, 200 yards later, he comes to a crossroad and the locals change the sign. It's where mm-hmm. and in Baja, the, the, the forward signs like that way marking the course are orange and the arrow would be pointing up. And if you flip that sign around 180 degrees, it's, it's actually green and it says wrong way. Right. And so that, that's how they do it out there. So somebody put switched the sign so it says wrong way. So he comes to this. And he says, oh, man, which way do I go? And he's got the guy right on his butt. He's like, I got to make a decision. Which way do I go? So he takes a right, and he goes four miles trying to figure out, is this the right way? Well, it's not. He finally turns around. Well, luckily, the other guy followed him. (laughs) (laughs) And as they're turning around, the other guy sees him turn it around. He turns around first, and he gets the lead again. So he's following them, and at the intersection, they go the, the correct way, and my son passes them again, and uh, then there's some swapping back and forth, and oh, and I'm waiting there at the, the finish line, just looking, you know, in the city, and uh, you know, who's going to come around the corner first, mm-hmm. and uh, Tanner comes around the corner first, he pulls it in the finish line, and we won by 60 seconds. Well, you didn't know you won right away from the what I remember because uh, watching the movie, and if you all haven't seen this, uh, and we should tell them what the movie is called. Um, do you actually want to tell them what the movie is called? That way everybody can find it. 
Yeah, it's called Into the Dust. Into mm-hmm. the Dust. It's on mm-hmm. YouTube, and it's a great family movie. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a great movie, and uh, it's got it's a ninety minute full length theater quality documentary, and um, uh, it's got one point three million views. It's the most popular movie about motorcycling in Baja that there is. Wow. So, and if you're a if you're a parent of a racer, I recommend this movie highly because actually, you can see just how stressful it is for a parent waiting at the finish line, even if you are competing with your son. Because let me tell you, there's one move. And I'm sorry, I'm pointing this out for you, Larry. I apologize, but I can see my dad in this movie totally because Larry's <laughs> in the chase truck at one point, and he's so proud of his son. Oh, he's so proud. This is already after he's come. He's met him one time, and this is after he tied um, the brake part on with his jersey. And then the second, you know, the second time he's at the finish line or near the finish line, he comes pulling in, and he's got the sweater, you know, tied around this headlight, which is barely hanging on. So it's <laughs> he's just got this pride in him. He's in the chase truck at one point. And he's about to cry, and I'm sorry, Larry, I'm pointing this out, but I just love that about you. I was like. Oh, I look at him. He's so excited. He's about to cry. I love it. And then, because you're such a dad, I just love it. You remind me of my dad. And then, and then he's at the finish line, and this one bike comes across, and it's not his son, but it's not his class, so it's not that big a deal. But he's like, here he comes. No, that's not him. And, and he's like, oh, where is he? This is driving me crazy. You're like the dad who's pacing in front of the door. I can see my dad doing this. He did this when I was 16. He's pacing in front of the door. Where is she? Why is she not home from her date yet? Where is oh, she? Lord. I'm a killer. I'm a killer. Where is she? A little a different scenario. Yeah, but still, say. he's like, he's there and he's pacing <laughs> and he's back and forth and he's pacing. He's like, where is he? Where is he? Is he hurt? Is he okay? Where is he? Where is he? I don't know where he is. And they can't communicate with him because his, his helmet's gone and or you know the camera's already dead. And it's just mm-hmm. it's hysterical to watch. I couldn't help but laugh. I'm sorry, Larry. I couldn't help but giggle. But I was like, that is well, so my dad know, right there. That's great. <laughs> yeah. Now, what, did, you know, what did Tanner think of all this? Well, um, you know, he's pretty stoic, you know, even more yeah, than he is. <laughs> he is. He's pretty impressive. But, he really is. Yeah. Uh, but you know, I've, I've been, I've had him on a, on a, uh, a four wheeler, uh, since he was, uh, eight months old. I put him, I, I bought this little Honda 94 wheeler and I put him on the seat in between my legs and I, I would hold him with my left hand and operate the throttle with my right hand and just we'd go around the yard and a little patch of wood banner house. And, and, and when he was two years old, he, he wanted to operate the, the thumb throttle. Okay, on this thing. Sure. So I would just, I would just hold on and let him, two years old, uh, give me a ride on on this Honda uh, 90cc ATV. Oh wow! And um, so then he's two years and ten months old, and I, I think he can do this. I think he can do this. So I get off. And I'm telling you, if the Department of Child Protection could solve what happened. Don't let them listen to this. Yeah, I was going to say, you you mean you wanted to get off, Larry. You didn't actually get off. You wanted to. You thought about it. So I I got off, and he, you know, he just, I had it first gear. He can't go fast and I can run. So uh, he went around the yard just fine, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and so. Then when he was five, I got him his first dirt bike, and right. uh, he'd been riding, you know, ever since, and he's a great rider. But 
But look, Baja is dangerous. Yeah. Okay. Oh, if you don't know yeah. that, come on, man. I mean, yeah. who doesn't know that? Yeah, that's yeah, seriously. <laughs> you know, I mean, I mean, motocross is dangerous too. But yep. Baja, you know, you're going. It, it, you know, so p- people say to me, "Oh, well, you're a racer. They don't know anything about this." They say, "How fast do you go?" You know, that's what you want to know. What is it going to thrill you if I say we go 100 miles an hour? You know, what, what's going to impress you? You know, but. <laughs> really it's about the terrain, right? It so is. You, you could be going 30 miles an hour in Baja and be, you know, be just really taking chances, right? If this is fast for this particular terrain, you got boulders, loose boulders and on a 45 degree uphill, or you're in the, you know, three foot deep whoops with cactus on both sides, or you're in sill up to your seat, you know, and uh, with rocks embedded in it and, uh, or, you know, it's just that the terrain is a limiting factor. And then there's the trophy trucks that come through the trucks and buggies that come through. Mm-hmm. They're coming through some of this terrain twice as fast as bikes. Cause they don't have to worry about their line. They got three foot of suspension travel. They're bucketed in, you know, uh, into a, a racing seat with a, you know, harness and, and all this, you know, they just, you know, nail it. Right. And, and but and on a bike, you got to pick your line, you, you hit something that you didn't see, you know, a rock sticking up, you know, eight inches could take you out, you know, and mm-hmm. you're going to land on another rock and you're going to be laying there at while other vehicles come through or you're laying there 80 miles from your truck, you know, and what are you going to do? Right. So, um, it's, it's dangerous. I mean, people die in this race. I mean, most years there's a fatality, you know, unfortunately, uh, and they, they try to keep it quiet, but you know, it happens and even spectators as well. I mean, that's a, a different issue. That's not from the motorcycles, but right. You know, it, it is a dangerous race. And, uh, so your son's out there, right. And he's overdue, right. Where is he? Uh, and he, you know, he's a great rider. So if he's overdue, it wasn't because he was kind of, you know, a dog in it or something. It's because something happened. Right. And, uh, the, the, the hours, an hour ticks by and then another 15 minutes, another 15 minutes. And you're like, it's pitch black. And then trophy charts kind of start coming through. And you're like, you know, man. So it's, it can be a little stressful. So anyway, uh, that was our 2015 race. Larry, that is, let me tell you what, it's hard for me to even think about the next step. You taking it up even another notch, another notch. Yeah. So, and excuse the French here. Why in the Sam hell did you decide to compete in the solo Ironman? Yeah, that's insane. I got to know <laughs> this because honestly, I mean, I did talk to an Ironman uh, before this and he actually was in the military and he's been used to staying up, you know, days on end. And he was in special ops and all this stuff. And that's how Larry found us. But I'm just like. Why, after competing in his first Baja, and didn't even know about Baja prior to this, would he go three years later to competing on his own when he didn't even know about Baja before 2015? That's just crazy. Well, you know, I tell people if I didn't have a son, I would my life would be a lot more boring and I'd be 30 pounds heavier. You know, <laughs> <laughs> so it was really him. You know, he's the reason that I, I we raced as a team. And when we finished, he said, you know, he's always looking to challenge himself. He's, he's, you know, physically, this kid is, is, uh, he, he's an animal, you know, he competes in Spartan races and long distance running races. And he's at the gym all the time. And, you know, he's, he's six foot three and he is ripped, you know, so, and he's looking for a challenge, you know, meanwhile, he's a gentleman, he's soft-spoken, he's quiet, you know, this kind of, 
So when we finished the Baja 1000 in sportsman class, uh, which is a sort of uh, amateur mixed age class, mm-hmm. he said, you know, uh, I want to do Ironman next year. And I said, Tanner, do you know what you're getting into? He said, yeah, yeah. no, I want to do it. I want to do it. I said, oh, man. Then I'm thinking, now I lost my teammate, you know, and I'm thinking, what am I going to do? Am I going to just ride in a chase truck? You know, I don't do that. I said, all right, all right, all right, I'll do it too. And so that's how, you know, I opened my mouth and now I'm committed. And so we entered the Ironman class in 2016. And honestly, I lost a lot of sleep over that race. I mean, this is one of those things, you know, it's going to end badly. Even if you finish, it's bad. I mean, you're suffering. I mean, you're, you're, you're draining the battery, mental and physical, down to zero and going more and more and more. And it's going to suck, you know. So uh, I'd lay in bed and think about it and have cold sweats and you know, so forth, you know, all year, it seems. And uh, so now the time has come. We're lined up for the Baja 1000 Ironman. It was so cool. We're um, on the starting podium, and there I am, number 714X. Seven means uh, Ironman, and X means motorcycle. So mm-hmm. my motocross number is 414. So I got 714. And his motocross number is 75, so he got 775. And here I am, it's me, and he staged right behind me. They lined him up right behind me, and it's father and son here in the Baja 1000 Ironman. Never nice. before happened, you know, and it was really cool. So, so uh, you know, to you know, it's it's always a story with so many dimensions. But basically, you know, he he he's faster than me, so he he. he was in front of me somewhere and I said, I'm going to go find him. I'm going to go catch him and I'm going to meet him at that finish line. Damn Heck yeah. And little punk's yeah, so, not going to get the one up on pops. Uh-uh, not <laughs> a million years. Right. Uh-uh. Well, you know, at mile 200, um, I got distracted and by a local and there was this, you know, they dig booby traps, uh, pits and they put rocks in the course and they just want to see carnage sometimes. And, they're all standing around with their pictures, the locals. And I, and I don't want to throw the locals under the bus. In general, there, <laughs> there are 300,000 race fans over there, and they are helpful. And if you go down, they all run out. And they want to help you. And they'll you stop, they will help you. I mean, they're just really great people in Baja. But there's a few right. misfits. And so I, I, I come over this rise, and I realize there's a pit here that's dug, and it's full of water, actually, from some drainage from agriculture or something you don't see much water out there but mm. so I, I it was you know if i knew it was there i could have jumped it as maybe 15 foot across or something but i slowed down to see what was up there and now i it's too late i'm going too slow so i i pull up the the bars right to my chest to try to clear this thing and the front end just compresses completely on the other side of the hole and my neck goes forward and I'm like unicycling out on the front wheel. And I thought, am I going to save this? Am I going over the bars? Well, I saved it. The back wheel went down finally. And I realized, man, I just, I just jacked my neck up, man. I, I got whiplash going forward, like really bad. I tore tissue in my neck and I got four vertebrae oh. out. I, I didn't know it at the time. I just said, oh man, that hurts, you know? So I tried to ride it off and, um, Anyway, long story short, uh, I was suffering from there from mile 200, and I made it to mile 600. And mm. uh, the the race was 855 miles that year, and I just could not go one mile more. And man, I was just I cried in my helmet. I just couldn't. 
And, you know, there's a, there's a guy on the uh, mountain called the weatherman and he runs a, a radio relay station and all the racers have his uh, frequency mm-hmm. and you call in uh, to the weatherman to report accidents and injuries. And if you need a, a helicopter or, you know, life star or anything like that, and, and you call in when your vehicle's out of the race. Mm-hmm. And when my driver had to call the weatherman and say, weatherman, uh, 714X is out of the race at 600. I mean, that hit me like a, like, oh, a, I was going to say, I bet that's like chest, man. I it, mean, it was oh. horrible going all so, that way through life. So successful just to have that. I mean, that had to be just a crush. Brutal. Yeah, it was. So, so then, uh, so Tanner finished. Okay. So that's mm-hmm. the good news. Uh-huh. Tanner finished in his first Ironman attempt and became, I think it was a 13th human being to ever finish the Baja 1000 Ironman. Wow. And, uh, you yeah, know, he paid a heavy too. price. You know, he dug deep. He, uh, you know, his hands were really messed up at the end. Uh, but, uh, you know, he finished and he said that yeah. was horrible and I never want to do that again. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so but- next year, what happens? So we say, you know what? I said, Tanner, I got to go back. I got to go back. I don't quit. I'm not going to, I'm yeah. not going to live the rest of my life saying I failed the Baja 1000 Ironman. I'm going back. So he said, all right, well, Dad, if you're going back, I'll go back too. You know, I don't want to, but I'll go back. So Ugh. we both entered last year's race and they, it was the 50th anniversary. So mm-hmm. the course designers do something nuts and they made it 1134 miles. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, so, you know, that's uh, nothing. Yeah. No. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Tack on a few. I can't yeah. drive that far so, without having to stop it. <laughs> Several we, times. Yeah, exactly. I, I couldn't, I couldn't drive that far either. I, I mean, mm-hmm. So, uh, so we start the race at one thirty AM and, uh, I mean, they couldn't make it any harder, right? You, you know, right. you can't even get a good night's sleep before start the race. At 30, so, why not? <laughs> so, uh, well, something bad happened 30 hours before the race. My son is definitely allergic to peanuts and we're in a, oh, um, no. in oh, a restaurant no. and, uh, we have fajitas. He puts a little hot sauce on his fajita. Oh, no. He Listen, starts feeling it. something right away in his throat, and he asked oh, the waiter, okay. "What's in the hot sauce?" And the peanuts. waiter says immediately, "Well, it's peanuts oil." And uh, uh, yeah. oh no, so of course it we is. We got up Why out not? of there. He he knows he's got one hour, one oh, hour till he cannot breathe, and oh, so God. we go back to the hotel. We call the ambulance. We get in the ambulance, and uh, you know, stay before the race, <laughs> right? And so we're in the hospital, and we oh. get him situated. And fortunately, he didn't get jacked up with too much, uh, Benadryl and, uh, steroids and stuff. But, uh, so they got him stable and, but you know, it was, it was not good. So next, next day is the race. So he wanted to win this race and that's why he went back with me. He says, I'm going to win this. I'm not just going to finish. I'm going to win. Okay. That's how he is. So Mm -hmm. he, he goes, he's going for the win and, uh, he was leading the race for 205 miles. And, uh, at every, pit i would say how's he, where's tanner how's he doing oh he's doing good he's leading okay where's tanner how's he doing he's doing good he's right up front okay where, where's tanner how's he doing oh he's in second now okay good good so i was uh two and a half hours ahead of my schedule then my plan that i made for my uh race at mile uh five sixty and the sun was just going down and uh so now you're let's see we were uh we started at one in the morning and the sun came up and then the sun is going down again now 
And uh, so I go into the night and uh, in these really silty, deep whoops, I, I went down just a tip over, not a violent crash or anything. And I go to get up and I'm stuck to the ground. And I look, what the oh. hell? Oh, God. And there is, I'm into a cactus. Okay. Oh, my God. I'm into a cactus, and there's like 150 big needles holding me down, right? They're stuck in my skin, in my arm and my shoulder. Oh. So it's pitch black, and uh, so I, fortunately, I carried a side pouch. is something I learned from Tanner the year before, and I had wire cutters in there, among other things. Got the wire cutters out, and I'm reaching behind the side of my shoulder. I'm clipping the big needles off one by one. Finally, these plates of cactus are falling off me one by one. And so I get up, and I'm like, "Can I ride like this? I got, I got like 150 sewing needles, you know, about an inch into me. And right. you know, if I move my muscles, will that hurt like hell? I mean, what's going to happen here? So I go to ride, and it wasn't too bad, you know, it wasn't too bad. So I make it uh, through a really difficult part of the, the course this way and this incredible uh, hill climb that was just loose rocks, 45-degree uh, angle. It's pitch black. You know, of course, you got your headlights and all, but uh, and uh, made it up this hill climb another mile through a military checkpoint, and then I go into my truck. So jersey off. They're pulling all the needles out of me with pliers, and then I had these hundreds of these tiny little hairy needles in me they couldn't pull those things out there's so many you could hardly see them so we shaved them off uh and you know figured they'll work out later (laughs) so in all the excitement i I get some food and uh get get uh you know all dressed for cold nighttime uh, again and and just as i'm ready to take off they said hey tanner is one mile up the road i said one mile up the road, what are you talking about? He's supposed to be like 100 miles ahead of me. He's supposed to be, you know, in like second place. What, what do you, well, they had withheld in some information from me because mm. they didn't want me to be, be worried. Worried, like yeah. you were poor, mm-hmm. yep. Mm-hmm. So I said, why is he a mile up the road? They said, well, just go, go, go see. So I go a mile oh, up the God. road, you know, and it's, it's pitch black. It's in the outskirts of San Ignacio and, uh, I pull it and there, there's the truck and I pull in and there he is in the street clothes. I said, Tanner, what happened? And he said, uh, I just, I just couldn't hold on anymore. He said, I felt like I was going to pass out, you know, going oh. 70 miles an hour. Mm. He said, I, 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 I can't go on. I said, man, I said, were you okay? He said, yeah, I'm okay. I know. Are you okay with like not finishing? He said, yeah, I'm, I'm okay. So now I got two chase train, two chase teams looking at me, right? There's uh, and the cam we had the camera crew there, and there's like 15 guys looking at me, and I'm saying, "Well, damn it, I'm gonna finish! I am gonna finish this race!" And I actually felt pretty good. So I take off into the night, and uh, just uh, one mile down the road is a right turn into a tiny little town, San Ignacio. You go one block, there's people on the sidewalks and stuff uh, cheering you on, and there's lights, and there's some color, because, you know, people don't realize at nighttime, you see in black and white. Mm-hmm. And when you have natural light or things lit up, then you see the color. So, you know, w- when you come into some light and you can actually see things, and you see colors, it's kind of like, you know, you kind of wake up and like, wow, you know, these people are cheering for me, and it's like, wow. And uh, I take go into the town square you got the 600 year old mission church take a left there you go two more blocks and just you know 
10 foot high concrete block buildings and boom, you're off into the oblivion again, black desert night, no light, nothing for, you know, it's going to be 150, 180 miles before I see my truck again. Okay. Mm -hmm. Well, little did I know I had just made a huge, huge mistake. And, uh, I'm at mile. That was the town was at mile 607. I'm at 643. I'm going along and the bike stops. Oh no. Oh shit. I missed the gas. I missed the gas. And while these people are cheering for me, I'm fist pumping them and we can see it on the helmet cam plain as day later. I'm fist pumping them to the left and the pit is right on my right. And I missed it. Damn it. There's a gas pit every 50 miles. So there's a lot of them. And I, what you do in Baja, I, I put a tape like a white, uh, duct tape, if you want to call it, on my front fender, a strip of it. And I write every mile marker where there's a gas pit, where there's a checkpoint, or where I'm going to meet my truck. Mm-hmm. And I write it in different colors. So I know, okay, gas pit is in red, and that's at mile 607. Mm-hmm. Well, I missed the damn thing. And in all the excitement with Tanner dropping out of the race and everything, I forgot about the gas pit, you know? Mm-hmm. So I'm like, what do I do now? So I get my satellite phone out of my pack and I fire it up and I call my team and I say, Andrew, I'm out of gas. I missed the gas pit. And you're like, Oh shoot. So, uh, all right, we'll figure something out. So I'm waiting there and make a long story short. It was 1130 at night when I ran out of gas and I saw the sun come up standing there in the desert. I waited for seven hours to get gas. Wow. And I had seven hours of fluff. My plan had me finishing in 41 hours and the time limit for the race was 48 hours mm-hmm. and uh i had seven hours of fluff and i blew them all right there in the one shot right there so i got gas and it's funny these um no one would stop for me not even think about it no no four-wheel vehicle uh some a few bikes stopped but they uh they said you know there's nothing they could do for me and so uh this right when the sun was coming up, this big Arctic cat four wheeler comes by and he's in the race, but he's not in it to win it. He's in it to mm-hmm. just finish, have fun. And he pulls up, he, he stops, he turns around, he comes back and he pulls up and I got my helmet off and he says, Hey, now this is in the middle of nowhere, right? You can't see it's just, this is a flat desert plain and just little scrubby cactus and stuff that there's nothing as far as the eye could see. And this guy comes up to me and he says, Hey, you're Larry Janeski. <laughs> he says, I saw your movie. Your movie is the reason I'm here. My wife that's let amazing. me come here and race this race because of your movie. I said, well, that's great. You got any gas? Thanks for the props, kid. Where's your tank? Yeah, right. Exactly. Now, he had this big Arctic cat with, with a huge gas tank. It could go way farther than 50 miles between pits. And so I took the, the tube off my hydration pack, off my pack, and we siphoned gas out of his, his uh, machine and got into my machine. So it's just before he leaves, he gets, hey, before you go, can I take a selfie with you? My wife is never going to believe this. I said, yeah, yeah, whatever. Hurry up. Come on, let's go. <laughs> so uh, so I, I called this on the sat phone to my team. I said, hey, I, I got gas. I'm gone. I'm going. And they said, wait, wait, Arturo's almost there. He's almost there. And I'm thinking about this. Oh, man. I said, if I leave, 
then my Arturo, who's on one of the guy mechanics on my team, he comes out uh, with the gas on Tanner's bike. I said he's gonna have to go 150 miles to the truck again. He's gonna have to. He's gonna wonder where I am. He's gonna, you know, wonder. I said I gotta wait for him now. So I waited 15 more minutes. He pulls up, and I get. I top off the gas. I get fresh goggles from him, and and I'm gone. So I'm riding really good. Here's the problem. I'm dressed for 40 degree nighttime. Now the sun's coming up. It gets to go 50, 60, 70, 80, 90 degrees. I got no water. I used the, the tube from my hydration pack to, to siphon the gas. gas. Yeah. I got no water. So at, at the gas pits, I get a little bottle of water from, from them, but I got three layers on and I'm just in a hurry to get back to my truck. Well, it gets oh. to be a hundred degrees. But, they haven't seen me in 13 hours. Mm-hmm. I got uh, a jersey, uh, a pullover, and my race jacket on, and it's 100 degrees, and I am like, you know, starting to get dehydrated. So I get back to my uh, crew, and um, they they fixed me up as best they could. The bike was fine, you know, and uh, you know, food, water, drink, 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 and uh, and I said to Tanner, I said. Tanner, um, what's the math for me to finish this race? Can I finish in time? And he said, Dad, don't worry about it. He said, you got 43 miles to go to the next, uh, until we see you again. He says, I went 10 miles, four reps. That's what he said. I went 10 miles, four reps. You got it? I said, okay, I got it. I'm going to go 10 miles. That's all I got to worry about, right? And then I'm going to go to another 10. And then I'm going to go to another 10. And that's how you got to do it, Bob. You got to break it down, right? And I had been in the race for, uh, let me think now, 20, 20, 30 hours, something like that. So um, so the next 43 miles were the hardest part of the course. It was deep silt ruts, uh, rocky riverbeds uh, for miles. The bike is on like bowling balls, you know. Uh, there were dried riverbeds, but you know, that was nevertheless incredible hill climbs. It was really tough. And I knew I had to get past this section to sort of, you know, get to a little easier terrain anyway for the rest of the race. So I, I pull into to the Loretta, Loretto dump. Loretto was a town and, and the, the course went through their dump, would you believe? So when I started seeing trash on the course, I said, okay, I'm close. Uh, and I pulled in there and I was just, I was just shot. I mean, I, I was, uh, it was 37 and a half hours. I was in the race. I, I made it to mile 831. And, uh, I just, uh, I couldn't mathematically, I couldn't finish in the time limit and it, it was getting dangerous. I was making mistakes and I, I had gone down three times in, in that wow. section before. And, uh, Plus you had like 700 so needles like, in your shoulder. So mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. So I tapped out and, uh, you know, I, I was proud of myself that I, I got farther than I ever had. I mean, the race uh, two years ago was 822 miles. The year before it was 855, and I was sitting at 831. And so if it was either of the previous two years' races, You'd I would have finished. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but but this race was 1134, so so it wasn't to be. So uh, Well, you know, so I, Larry, I, a real man would have just pushed that bike right over the line. <laughs> are you kidding me you i can't have. even imagine I, I wouldn't even I'd, one mile i'd be dead i, I mean it's just exactly 
you're a better man than me, Moses. That's that's kind of the line that comes yeah. to mind right now. <laughs> well, so, you know, again, I go home and I said, I can't die like this. I, I can't tell myself this story the rest of my life. And so I'm 54 now. I, I would have been the oldest finisher of the Baja 1000 Ironman uh, either of the last two years. And uh, so I said, you know, I am going to finish this race. And I made a decision. I said, you know, I am going to go back over and over and over and over again until I yep. finish. So I, I don't care. You know, so that decision was already made. So it's kind of the pressure was off a little bit when I made that decision. And I mm -hmm. said, you know, it's going to happen. Okay. I will not be defeated by Baja over and over like this. So, so I decided I was going to, uh, race the whole re the whole desert racing series. And there's four races in the series. And that would make me better prepared for the last race, which is the Baja, uh, 1000. Right. So I worked out, man, I ran, I, I was, you know, like previous years, but I even stepped it up my, my physical training. And, uh, uh, so the first race was April, early April and in Connecticut, it's frozen till then you can't ride, you can't get on a dirt bike. And so I go out to Baja and, uh, I get it going to the San Felipe 250, which is, was 320 miles last year. And, you know, um, you think, well, 320 miles, you did 830, you know, there are 31, this should be a piece of cake. Well, the terrain around San Felipe is all whooped out. I mean, it is whoops, whoops, whoops. There could be a hundred miles straight of whoops with no break. Uh, and so it's not a gimme race. Well, in pre-running, I went over the bars at 40 miles an hour, got a concussion, saw stars, and, but I had a ride like that to get back to my truck. So I, uh, I started riding and I lucked out this stars went away in my, my vision and it cleared up. So I've had a, plenty of concussions, but, uh, that one I escaped, but, uh, anyway, in the race, uh, I finished in 12 hours and, uh, there was 12 starters, seven finished and I finished seventh. Wow. And, uh, had I known uh, that I was so close to sixth and maybe fifth, I would have taken, you know, I would have been a little bit more aggressive, maybe uh, taking less time at my, my chase truck, but I just wanted to finish. And that was the first time that I had seen a finish line in Baja. As I pulled wow. up to this finish line, I realized I had never seen this before. Because when my son and I won, he finished, and, and then I had two failed Ironman attempts, so it, it felt really good. Then the I second race uh, was... Yeah, the second race was the Baja 500, and it was 542 miles. And my son decided he wanted to do this one with me. And so we went out and pre-ran it. It was beautiful, picturesque, beautiful scenery. It was fantastic. Well, on race day, it was a little, it was a lot different. The, the trucks always chew it up and they're pre-running and they make ruts and silt like you wouldn't believe. And mm -hmm. places that were, you know, a joy to ride are now hell. And, uh, but anyway, uh, he finished in 17 hours and I finished in 21 hours and we uh, made history as we were the first and only father and son to finish a Baja 1000 Ironman race. How does that make wow. you feel? I mean, when, when you look at that, I mean, think of how long that race has gone on and now mm -hmm. you're the first father son combo to ever finish. What does that feel like? I mean, it, it was amazing, you know, um, you know, to, to be there with him. I mean, this time I saw him at the finish line, you know, and I pulled up to the, the podium and there he was. And, you know, I was just so proud, you know, and, uh, 
you know, here's a kid that I started at, you know, uh, 10 months old on, on a four wheeler, right. At five years old on, on his first, uh, motorcycle. And here we were finishing the Baja 500 together. And, uh, and I was still, you know, still at it. You know, I have a lot of friends I used to ride with. And as I got older, you know, they dropped off, they stopped riding. Maybe they got hurt. Their wife got on them or they got out of shape or something. And, mm-hmm. you know, they, they don't ride anymore. And here I was still going strong and finishing, you know, the second toughest race in Baja with my son. It was just an amazing, amazing feeling. Larry, you have done so much. I mean, you're talking so about much. successful businessman. I mean, it's just, uh, I, I'm, I'm in awe of everything that you've completed. And I know so many businessmen in my area would love to copy that. What advice can you give them? I mean, if they say, I'm too old or, oh, the business this, the business that. You're one of the largest employers in your area. And you're out here doing these Ironman competitions. What? Yeah info can you give us what help can you give us well um you know obviously you know don't give up right you, you got to know what you want and, and you got to go after it and don't give up and one thing that i've done in business um you know today just a little background we have 150 million dollar business i started from you know a, a little ad in the paper carpentry call larry no job too small uh, so we have 380 employees we're the largest employer in our area um i have 30 patents on different things uh you know, we have a, a 10 building campus. Uh, we're the largest taxpayer in our town as well. Um, wow. you know, it's been an amazing ride, but you know, I would say that I, I haven't changed horses, right? I, I, I'm basically in the same business, which is, uh, repairing and improving houses, right. um, that I've been in for 36 years. Okay. So you build and you build and you build and you build and yeah, you take some baby steps back, you know, maybe, Sometimes uh, you make mistakes, but you learn and you keep going forward and you invest the past into the future. Right. You, you, you don't give up. So if I said, well, you know what, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go into real estate. You know, I'm going to buy some income property. I'm going to give up this home improvement business or I'm going to go open a restaurant or start right. a different kind of company. Well, you know, then you're an amateur again. You're starting all over, you know, in a new industry where people have been in it for years and they're way better than you, you know, so. I've, I've stayed on course. And so, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't have done this in Baja, you know, you know, five years into my riding career, you know, it wasn't going to happen, you know? So, so, uh, so, you know, stick with it. So, uh, here, here I was, here I was now at the third race of the season was called the Tijuana challenge. And, uh, I finished that. It was a shorter race. It was sort of a lap race. You do, two 34 mile laps on Saturday morning and two 34 mile laps on Sunday morning. And I had not pre-run that course and that really slowed me down. And, uh, on the, on the first lap till I didn't, you know, you come over a rise, you don't know if it's turned left, turn right. What's it like right. over here? You know? So, um, well, anyway, I, I was on a quest to finish the bottom 1000 Ironman. And I, I now found myself, one of only two riders that finished all three races so far in the season. I was second wow. place in the points mm. out of 18 different riders who had entered Ironman races that season. Now I'm second place in the points. And I'm like, wow, that's a bonus. I, I wasn't thinking about that. I'm mm-hmm. just thinking about finishing the Baja 1000. So here comes the big day, you know, it's race day. It's the Baja 1000. I prepared better than ever. 
uh, I had a complete race plan. We had it written out. It was like, you know, 14 pages typed out what the race plan is, what we're going to do at mile 33, what we're going to do at mile 74, what we're going to do at mile 110, you know, and, you know, every stop, it was, you know, it's like a NASCAR pit stop, right? I come in, these guys are working on the bike, but the other two guys are working on me. They're giving me what I need to eat. They're given, you know, uh, sometimes later in the race, especially rubbing out my traps and my shoulders. Uh, in my hands because, you know, they cramp up, you're in the same position, same motion all the time. Uh, they're, you know, changing goggles, they're, uh, you know, uh, refilling my pack, whatever it is, you know, so I'm in and out of my pits, uh, really fast. And, uh, so I had a plan and it was a detailed plan and, uh, to prepare for a race like this, you got to get super rested. So, um, I did a little riding on Monday, the race started on Friday, but on Tuesday, I am just like wake up in the morning, close your eyes again, just lay there. Really? And you fall asleep some more and you wake up and you just lay there again. And finally, when you can't sleep anymore. You go have breakfast with the guys and you check the bike and you go register and you, you know, so forth. But then if you feel like you could sleep, if you feel like a nap would, would work, you go lay down in the hotel room, you take a nap, you go to bed early. And you just keep repeating that for the four days before the race. Because you're not going to sleep at all. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. And so that's what you do. And now at the same time, you don't want to be, lose your edge. You know, you, you're in the gym all the time and you're running and you're, you know, bicycling on your bicycle and you're, you know, physically you got to peak on Friday at uh, 4 a.m. Okay. You got to peak. And so you don't want to stop working out and start resting too soon. Right. But, you know, I would say three and a half days before the race, you want to stop working out, stop riding and just super rest. And so, you know, I'm still not going to do the Baja. You can give me that all day. I'm still not even one quarter of a man that you are right now. I feel so inadequate. I'm not even going to come, you know, I'm not even going to drive to Baja. I'll just take a, I'll just bypass around it. Seriously, I mean, Jesus. I mean, after he's done all this, I gotta ask, what is next for you, Larry? You've done everything else. Now, what's next? Well, um, you know, uh, I, I, I'd like to, you know, be able to uh, answer that question, you know, in a month or so. But right. what, what we're gonna do, uh, what we're gonna do next year is we're gonna have a team. My brother, who's a freestyle motocross rider and, and motocross mm-hmm. rider, he lives in South Carolina, and. Uh, my son and I are going to be a three-man team, but, but, uh, so this year's Baja 1000, you know, we had the plan and, uh, we, we executed the plan. I mean, I'd like to tell you all this drama and everything, but it it was not very dramatic. There's Mm -hmm. drama going on all around us, but we executed our plan. and, And we said this 20 times as a team, we said, look, we have a, a detailed plan. We're going to execute it perfectly and calmly calmly. And that's what we did. And I, I made my first goal was to make it to 280 without getting beat up by the whoops. I did that. My second goal is to get to 380 before dark. I did that. My next goal was to get to 600 or more by sunup. And night was just horrible. It, the silt was just incredibly bad. The worst I've ever seen up to your seat, literally in, in places. Oh and, God. um, I got a big spike in my foot, uh, right through my boot, um, as you're picking through the brush, trying to get around the silt and 
you know, um, it was, I mean, there was a time when I think I went three miles in 45 minutes and it's really, really discouraging. And I was given everything I had, I was fighting for it and, uh, it got really cold. It was a lot colder this year than usual. Um, my hands were frozen when I came in at midnight to my, my truck and uh, we were, had to thaw them out. I couldn't feel my fingers. Uh, then I put cold weather gloves on. And, but anyway, I got to, uh, 600, uh, actually 598 by sunup. So I was just a few, a, a few miles behind mm-hmm. and my plan. And then uh, I rode like crazy. I, I rode so good for the last seven hours. I finished in 33 hours and 45 minutes, uh, wow. in fourth place out of 10. And I became oh, the oldest uh, <laughs> Ironman finisher. <laughs> He's wearing so, me out just talking. <laughs> you know what, listen to Larry talking. And once again, we're talking to Larry Janeski. Um, hearing him talk and hearing him say these stories, the one thing that keeps running through my mind is Netflix series, Hulu series, you know, right? something. Um, Chris, we can make money off of him. I'm just I joking. mean, yeah, I'm, I'm seeing dollar signs. Uh, Larry, is, is any of that that coming your way? Uh, say again, is any, any, any of those ideas like doing some kind of series? Oh, any of those ideas, mind? yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, originally we made the movie uh, for the first year's race, and we wanted to shop it around uh, to mm-hmm. studios. Maybe they pick it up and buy the movie from us or something. But sure, you know, it became like uh, you know, it just really, I don't know. I just wanted to have fun and share my story, you know. And yeah. I didn't want to, you know, worry about re-editing the movie for them and making it what they wanted it to be. And re, you know, I, so finally we said, you know what? After a year of editing, my guys were editing and everything. We said, screw it. We'll put it on YouTube so people would watch this thing. Yeah. And uh, and really, you know, my personal mission statement is, uh, which I clarified a couple of years ago, um, is an extraordinary life of shared experiences. And so, you know, I want to do cool things and I want to share. You know, I want to maybe inspire others that they could do, uh, you know, unusual, incredible, extraordinary things with their lives as well. And you know, a lot of people have been influenced and, and moved by uh, the things that I do. And I, I welcome people, you know, into my life and to, you know, share these kinds of things. And in fact, when I went out to do the Ironman, I bring friends with me, like friends, like they're, they're not racers. They're just good friends of mine. Mm-hmm. And just to, to follow in another vehicle and, and follow the chase truck and experience what this is like, because it's just really incredible. And uh, two of my friends uh, came this year, you know, a few years earlier, we had like seven or eight friends, but two came this year and they were an incredible help and just at, at all the pits and, you know, seeing uh, when I saw my truck, they were just really, really helpful. But, um, you know, we're going to make another movie now about the, the Iron Man quest for both me and my son. And we've been shooting this dang movie for nice. three years now, but we didn't mm. have the ending. We couldn't let it end on, oh, well, you know, sorry. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you now should. Now we got the ending. Yeah. Right. And so we're, we're editing three years of footage together to make to make a story about wow. this. And hopefully, you know, I can inspire other people. Uh, you know, maybe some people are getting older and they, you know, kind of checked out. and, you know, <coughs> Ellen. and uh, I'm not checked out. <laughs> you keep interrupting me, so I keep letting you talk. No, no, I'm talking about, he said some people are getting older. I was like, <laughs> Ellen. Oh, yeah, you got room to talk. <laughs> I've been getting older by the second. Are you kidding me? 
Larry, if, you know, if people aren't motivated by this story, then something's wrong with them. That's because right. You have such a phenomenal just everything, man. Where can people go to find more information about Larry Janeski? Uh, and, you know, not, not only the racer, but the businessman. Yeah. So um, thinkdaily.com. Thinkdaily.com. That's is awesome. a blog that I've been writing for 10 years and it's free and I have 27,000 people that get it every day. Nice. Uh, and then there's things daily for business people. So you can sign up for those. Uh, and then if someone wants, if, if there was a, an entrepreneur or a contractor in particular, any kind of home service, home improvement contractor, I, I have a whole online course that I've been working on. I've poured my whole life into this thing for the last three years. And it's an online, uh, basically college course and it's at uh, the soe.com school of entrepreneurship.com the soe.com and then uh people can go to my website larryjaneski.com to see uh, lots of other links and cool stuff i have books and audio programs you can look me up on amazon of course you do is there anything uh, you don't do larry yeah i was about <laughs> I mean, to say that. Yeah. i need to start like just hanging out with this i need larry i need to come to you and hang out with you like all day long because I feel like I'm like one of the biggest slugs in the world talking to him. Oh my God, Chris, you don't feel like a slug talking to this guy. Let me tell you what, he, he's so great at motivating, but he's so good at just making you feel two inches tall. I know, I, right? I feel, uh, I've been a giant failure all year now. Here I was thinking I had a nice broadcast career spanning, you know, two and a half decades. Run into Larry and it's like, okay, I haven't done anything. I know, right? I feel like... Here I am, 40 years old, and I'm like, I haven't done any of this stuff. Oh, my so, God, I'm such a failure. <laughs> LarryJaneski.com and TheSOE.com. Larry, this has been an absolute honor and pleasure. Uh, Your yes. story, and if somebody doesn't pick this up for, you know, Netflix, Hulu, whatever, then they're wrong. Right. Because exactly. this is this is going to be a great series. Yes. I mean, yeah, well, you, I'm happy they need that, to go uh, watch the movie could, and turn that into like a show because that movie was awesome. Yeah, the YouTube movie. Thank yes. You. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, yeah, everybody should enjoy that. That's that's a good one for sure. Yeah. And Larry, and Larry, before we go, because it is the holidays. One more thing. Um, what do you want for Christmas? <laughs> He's done everything. Uh, what else is he gonna want? I mean, yeah, exactly. Uh, he wants sleep. You know, so. I, <laughs> Just some rest, really. Uh, yeah, uh, I know, would but... say at this point, you deserve it. <laughs> Can I get a blanket yeah. and a pillow? That's right. Oh, my God. Yeah. Have you slept in the last, like, 15 years? I mean, seriously? Wow. Only when he's yeah. prepping for Baja. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't think he sleeps then, Chris. No, you should have seen them on this movie. They didn't sleep. They didn't sleep for, like, three days. It's oh. insane. Oh, my gosh. You know, and I was a guy that couldn't stay up on new year's to watch the ball drop, you know, so, right. you know, I mean, I, I need eight hours and I didn't think I could stay up for that long. And honestly, if somebody said you have to stay up for 34 hours watching TV. Okay. There's no way. I mean, yeah. I couldn't do it, but yeah. on a dirt bike, when you have a passion and you have a goal, you know, you, you dig deep. It's amazing what you can do. Not me. I'm just a regular guy. If you saw me on the street, I'm just a regular guy, okay? Uh, and I like people to, once they know my story and they, they feel like, wow, you must be like this super amazing human being. I'm just a regular guy, you know, trying to do stuff, you know, and trying to make sense of it all and, and, and you know, and, and experience things and share those experiences. And, uh, but it's amazing what people can do, you know, and, and I encourage people to believe in themselves because if you don't believe in yourself, it's not possible, right? If you don't believe right. something is possible and you don't have a desire for it, you don't have an ambition to do something, then it, it's true. It is not possible for you. But if you have a desire 
and you believe that you can do it, you can do it. And it's amazing what you can do. Amazing. So, you know, just have a dream and, and, and follow it. Okay, I can see Larry's wow. next career. He's going to be a motivational, motivational speaker. I can speaker. see it right now. Larry, yeah. this I is do a lot of that. <laughs> Thank you so much. Please go follow him on social media. Make yeah. sure you go to his website, Larry Janeski. Larry, we hope you have a fantastic 2019. Happy holidays to you and yeah. the family. Please give Tanner your best. Uh, and if you would, stay in touch. We can't wait to see what happens next. That's right. Think about when you're in Baja Thanks, next time. <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, it's Larry, a pleasure talking to you guys. Thank you, you Larry. Too. Have a thank fantastic you. holiday. We look forward to seeing you in 2019. All right. You too. Take care. Wow. I know, right? I feel Ooh, like the folks. biggest slug in the world right now. Do you I not mean, feel like really bad about yourself right now? Because <laughs> I, I am. I mean, <laughs> here I was thinking I was doing something good with myself. And, right. uh, you know, then Larry Janeski comes along and uh, kind of shuts me down. <laughs> Yeah, I kind of feel like I've accomplished crap in the last – what have I been doing the last 40 years, seriously? But you know what, Ellen? What a way to cap off a great year. Right? Maybe it'll motivate me for next year to accomplish a whole lot more than I have. I mean, he he was phenomenal. So, you know, gosh, I I, I can't wait to see what happens Uh, right here on Behind the Wheel on RacingJunk.com. I want to especially thank uh, Baja Ironman Larry Janeski for taking the time of his business extremely busy holiday right. season to share that story. Uh, Ellen, what do you want for Christmas this year? What What's Santa uh, bringing? I, I want to be motivated to do something. <laughs> <laughs> I want to be Larry, you know, <laughs> but not by Larry. I just want to like, you know, do something a major next year because I don't feel like I've done anything the last 40 years. <laughs> <laughs> you, I want to be Larry Janeski. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> No, this is, let me tell you what, 2018 was great. 2019 is going to be even better. Right. We can't wait to see what happens. Uh, so, uh, Ellen, if people want to get a hold of you or if they got story ideas, what do they do? Hit me up at erichardson at automavenpro.com. We have got some exciting stuff coming up in 2019 already, and we might even have an exciting announcement coming up pretty soon, so stay tuned to racingjunk.com. You can also go on there and comment anywhere on any of the articles I've written, and you'll definitely be able to tell me, especially if you follow Behind the Wheel. I mean, just comment on one of our shows. Tell us you want us to interview somebody. I mean, Larry, we, we really didn't know who Larry was, and fortunately, his PR person found me. So, you know, found me from another Baja article. So look me up. You know, let, let's talk. Let's get, you know, your driver on the air. It's one big family and it's one big area. Sometimes we can't get around to everybody. So if there's somebody we need to talk to, please let us know. That's right. So for the lovely and talented Miss Ellen Richardson, Lily, <laughs> we want to wish you guys an extremely happy, safe, blessed holiday season. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. And we can't wait to see you here in 2019. And stay tuned to Behind the Wheel on RacingJunk.com for what's coming next.